In part two of today's program, we hear from the co-authors of a book called Boundless Leadership, The Breakthrough Method to Realize Your Vision, Empower Others, and Ignite Positive Change. The distinctive feature of this book is that the co-authors come from two very different worlds. Elazar Aslan is a businessman, but Joe Luizzo is a contemplative neurophysicist. Here's our conversation. Uh, Joe Luizzo and Elazar Aslan, we welcome you both to The Morning Show. Thank you. Yes, good to be here. Glad that we can have this conversation. One of the most intriguing things about the book, which I think sets it apart from uh, all kinds of other books that have been written in general about this topic, is that you come to it with two very different pathways. That is, each of you a very different life's path, professional path uh, to this collaboration. Uh, Maybe you could each summarize briefly your own sort of personal pathway and how distinct they are from each other and, and the different kind of expertise that you you bring to this question of leadership sure i'll dive in first if that's okay um yeah you know so my uh, interests really uh, started you know, in leadership, started looking looking at my early mentors like my dad and seeing how, as as a physician, he quickly burnt out in life and sort of really wondering: is there a way to uh, to take a position that's um, you know that involves a lot of pressure, a lot of responsibility, um, and have the internal resources to be able to thrive and enjoy life and be available? And so that led me on this path of trying to integrate you know, understand contemplative practices and how they allowed us to retrain the brain and access capacities for thriving, Um, you know, and and really looking around me then at people in other people in my field and others, of course, the leaders in the in the the in the larger business workspace and and cultural workspace, seeing really how so so commonly people are leading from this stress energy that really uh, really pulls out in a way a lot of the worst in us, a lot of the fears and scarcity thinking and rigidity and uh, and not only is unhealthy for us but but really uh, doesn't promote the best in in each of us. So really that's kind of my take is that this kind of approach that I've been that I've worked on for my own well-being and for the sake of my my those people around me, uh, seemed like something that should, really should be available to everybody. Hmm. So you come at this from the uh, perspective of someone who has studied and practiced uh, contemplation uh, in, in, in various ways, including meditation and so on. Elazar Aslan, you come to this uh, from a very different pathway or perspective, and uh, explain what that is for our listeners. Correct, correct. I, you know, I started in a very classic way in the business world, uh, I got my MBA from Wharton. I went down, you know, big corporate path, uh, you know, climbed the ranks. Uh, I also left and became a consultant to corporations and small businesses and then an, uh, an entrepreneur starting my own business. And throughout all of that, Gregory, there was a sense that something is amiss. You, you know, even early on in my career, uh, you're in a place where they talk about collaboration and teamwork, but you work in an organization that's a pyramid which means that every day there's going to be one less chair for somebody. 
And so you have this competitiveness trying to create collaboration. Um, you have a hierarchy where those in power really feel that they have an advantage over their employees because they could fire them or promote them. So there's that kind of tension going on all the time. But you want to empower your people. You want to have your people engage. So there's this constant paradox between what businesses want to accomplish and the way they go about trying to accomplish it. And I actually thought leaving the corporate world and becoming a consultant would make a shift, but it didn't. And even when I had my own company, my own business, and I came up with some ideas and things we wanted to try that were innovative, my own staff wasn't really open to it. Like, you know, do we need the level of titles that we have, you know? So all of that really brought to the forefront and understanding that there needs to be a deeper shift that I myself to be happy on a daily basis doing what I do in business needed a deeper shift and Joe and I connected you know he's uh, head of the Nalanda Institute he had founded that Institute specifically to bring the science into how people can uh, create change and bring less stress and more joy and Joe and I really started talking about how do you do that in business so whereas Joe brings this scientific and contemplative approach, I bring the practical approach that says, yeah, I'm already busy and you're asking me to do more things so I could be better. That doesn't really work or nice theory, but my boss is so difficult. This theory is never going to work. So really bringing that practicality into what the science is asking us to do, that was our 10-year collaboration which culminated with the book. It's a fascinating partnership and I think it's part of what sets your book apart from, from, from others. Joe Luizzo, in your introduction to the book, you talk about how this is, in a sense, uh, a perfect time and a really necessary time to rethink the whole nature of leadership. You say because of, of several different historic trends that are all converging uh, in, in the 21st century. Briefly, I'm afraid, uh, summarize what's kind of coming together uh, in the current day that that makes this rethinking of, of leadership so imperative. Right. Well, thank you, Greg. And one of them, of course, is globalization and the global digital marketplace uh, that we live in, where there's really no more inside outside. We're all connected. Everything, you know, one of us does impacts everybody else and vice versa. So that really uh, puts a premium on our ability to uh, recognize others, uh, to work with others, uh, and to see ourselves within a very complex uh, web of interdependence rather than as on one side versus the other. The other two trends come from science, one comes from science, and that has to do with uh, understanding our, more about our nature and our nervous system, understanding that quite apart from the myth of the modern era, and especially in business, um, you know, uh, you know, stress, greed, uh, you know, uh, sheer raw ambition and, and all of these things aren't really the best way to, to sustain creativity, productivity, uh, and certainly not well-being. They're not the path to happiness. They're the path to eroding performance and um, undermining well-being. And, uh, and, you know, that's, you know, on the same, on the flip side, we're also discovering a whole other side of our nature, which is this sociable uh, you know, uh, capacity to thrive together with others, to be collaborative, as, as Elazar was saying, which turns out to be much greater 
and much more fundamental to our nature than modern culture, modern business uh, has, has uh, uh, you know, presented. And so, you know, that's good news from the, given the fact that we have to become more interdependent, more sociable. Um, I think, and the final piece comes from our rediscovery of contemplative practices. So based on mindfulness, for example, and the discovery that helps in healing um, and, and promoting well-being, we've sort of done a couple of decades of very intensive meditation research to show that this practice that we've pretty much thrown out um, does a lot of the things to the brain and the body, uh, and, and not to mention the mind, that actually help us shift out of the stress way of living that's our default. The way, the way we come into the world and into these other capacities for thriving uh, that are more connected and more sociable. So it's that perfect storm of those three trends coming together now that make it the best time and the, and the necessary that, you know, we don't have much time to waste. It's sort of like an inner global warming phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, uh, Aslan, maybe you could explain how the two of you or why the two of you came up with the term boundless leadership. I mean, you could have called this a whole lot of different things, including effective leadership or leadership for winners or happier leadership or whatever, but you chose the intriguing term boundless leadership. And you explain this in the book, but I want you to explain to our listeners why you think that term works so well to describe what you are uh, suggesting. Yes, Happy, happy to. Um, you know, there's a couple of points that really bring up the word boundless as the perfect word for what we're trying to do here. Um, one aspect of it is that most books, as you mentioned, really talk about leadership, but they focus on skills that you need to be a better leader. And those are important, but what we're talking about is a magnitude different from that. We're talking about you, the person, being different. And not just the person uh, in one aspect, but the three-dimensional person, the whole person. So we really focus on the mind of a leader, the heart of a leader, and the body of a leader. So that holistic and integrated approach is one aspect of what brings you to boundlessness. The other aspect of boundless is that it really focuses on the reality that most all of us Partly because of our genetic and our evolution and partly because of our conditioning, most all of us live in some limited view of who we are, some limited view of what we can do, some limited view of our effect and impact on others. And what boundless leadership does is it takes you through a methodical step-by-step -step approach to really undo those self-imposed limitations. And when you undo those self-imposed limitations, you connect to your full potential. And as your full potential, you're boundless. Those limitations no longer constrain you. And at our best, connected to our potential, we are unbelievable, every one of us. So that's what boundless leadership is all about, getting to that part of us. Julie, so uh, the book, sp you spend quite a long time talking about this idea of what uh, Elazar Aslan was just touching on, heart, mind, and body, and aligning them. In what way do we tend not to have heart, mind, and body aligned? I mean, what does it mean, in a sense, to be out of alignment? <laughs> Great. Okay, that's that's a very interesting question. And of course, one of the things that we've learned 
you know, over more than just a half a century, over a long period of time, is that the mind is extremely complicated. The nervous system is more complicated than than almost the whole universe in and of itself. Um, and it can it can uh, fracture under stress the mind and the body. Uh, what we do something we call dissociation. It, it creates compartments in our in our mental processing and in our neural processing. So that's why we have parts of us that we're not really that in touch with. You might you know you might notice like you you're driving all day uh, and you don't even, you don't even you know know that you're 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 having pain in your back somewhere or something like that or you're you've been hungry for hours. Um, that you know capacity to sort of split off from part of what's happening inside of us is an, an, a helpful survival strategy if, for example, we're under tremendous stress and we, you know, we might be injured. We don't want to feel the pain. We want to sort of be able to calculate our way out of the, out of the trap or the danger. Unfortunately, as a chronic way of being, it means that we're not really in touch with what's really supporting our life, right? So if we have, we're carrying chronic stress that slowly you know, shifting our chemistry toward the chemist, chemistry of stress, which is corrosive to our well-being and performance. Um, if we're living in emotional turmoil because we feel constantly embattled or we don't feel safe and connected and don't belong, um, but we're disconnected from those two things, right? If, or even if we're sort of living in a, we have a certain inner narrative that we're not examining and we're just assuming that I am, this is who I am with the limitations that I have. This is who other people are. This is what's happening. These are all things that really uh, are, un, you know, under the surface, uh, limiting the range and, and, and capacity and also limiting the, the groundedness of our awareness. So if we really want to have an awareness that's as boundless as possible, that's as usable, as, as flexible, as open, as unbiased as possible, we need to be sure that we're in touch with what we're imagining the world to be. Uh, and we're sort of working on uh, our perception of ourselves in the world. We need to be in touch with our emotional well-being. We need to be in touch with our physical well-being. And when all of those things can be consciously cultivated, then we're sort of, it's like we have a firm foundation. We, we're grounded and we're not just grounded anywhere, but we, we can choose to be grounded in the part of all body or or heart that is the most supportive or or uh uh you know cleanest energy that offers us the cleanest energy and the most productive emotional tone so we can really sort of pick and choose those parts of our whole alignment if you will that suit our purpose which is to be present in a in a in a connected way that's sustainable right um elazar aslan you you mentioned that you bring sort of the more practical side of things that is somebody rooted in the world of business that uh, part of the role that you have played in this collaboration is to sort of figure out uh, the ways in which this can be implemented in the real world I mean, take it from the blackboard and 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 into the actual business place uh, how tricky has that been for you to kind of sort out the practical application of what uh, Joe Luizzo was just describing. Well, I, I mean, it's just part of the the mission when Joe and I got um, our collaboration going. Uh, so it hasn't been tricky per se, but it does take a challenge to 
to understand that what you need to do, whatever that may be, you need to do while you're still going to work, working whatever number of hours you are in a situation that might be uncomfortable in whatever ways it is, that the change needs to happen inside of that. So what took us a while to really articulate is the path, is the roadmap. So as Joe was mentioning, and you asked, you know, the alignment of uh, uh, mind, heart, and body, the way we actually get to optimize each one of these disciplines is through a step-by-step approach, which says that for you to have the most optimal mind of a leader, you have to develop a particular trait, in this case, the trait of self-awareness. But self-awareness isn't that easy to do. So what you need is the clarity of mind. So there's a competency that sits under that. And that clarity of mind, that competency itself gets broken down into its own facets, what we call its qualities. So there are four qualities that you develop to uh, become a clear-minded leader who's self-aware. Those four qualities get developed because there's a very particular practice you do for each of them, very precise. So now you've broken down this massive thing of changing yourself, transforming yourself, not only into three disciplines, but each one has a very particular way and you do it in bite-sized pieces and then, you know, you're able to actually see the change happen bit by bit in the office or in wherever organization you are or even as a self, uh, uh, self-employed individual. So you bring it to life on a daily basis in bit by bit and over time the whole thing shifts. Hmm. Uh, that does remind me though, Joe Luizzo, that uh, at several points in the book you, you point out that this is not exactly a one-size-fits-all matter and that uh, even from sort of day to day depending on what the day is going to bring that exactly what practices you might engage in might might really change which is probably encouraging because of course all of us are very different people and you're probably talking about certain fundamentals that we all share and yet all of us are different and so your book is not just these four things and everything will be great but that the way this is accomplished, that's going to vary a little bit from person to person. Is that fair to say? Exactly. And this is one of the things in terms of the roadmap that Elazar is mentioning that is so unique about boundless leadership, that we give people uh, a kind of tour through the, through the steps and tools that, that, or practices that might bring them to develop the, this way of being. Uh, but we know that people are stuck at different points or that in life, given external circumstances, uh, there's certain pressure points that are the critical ones right now. So once we understand the math of like, ideally, if it's all smooth sailing, here's here's how we go, then we understand where we're getting hung up as either as individuals because our, our brains or minds work in a certain way, or because of a context where this particular challenge, like dealing with a really difficult boss or dealing with a very chaotic organization uh, is, is uh, you know front and center, and and we do help people sort of think that through at the end of our program. The book is, it, the book describes a program where we help people tailor these all the, this these practices and make their own map essentially, because that's really what each of us needs to do. We need to sort of make our own roadmap uh, to get from here to there. The book again is titled "Boundless Leadership: The Breakthrough Method to Realize Your Vision, Empower Others." and Ignite Positive Change. And uh, the co-authors, Joe Luizzo and Elazar Aslan.
I thank both of you for joining me today on the morning show to talk about your very interesting book. Thank you so much. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Gregory. Take care. Have a good new year.